Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. I recently gave a new lecture about approach to immune-mediated disease, and I thought some of the basic concepts were really interesting, and I figured it was something I put out for a podcast episode to see if it was something that really helped you kind of distinguish some of the thoughts when you have a suspected immune-mediated disease. Now, let me start by saying this is a very broad subject. These are just thoughts to cross your mind when you think you might be dealing with a particular autoimmune or immune mediated skin disease. Um, It's not targeted at a specific disease in general. We know there's lots of different causes. Even when you start thinking of pemphigus, vasculitis, you know, there's some that are drug related. There's some that are idiopathic. So these are just overall concepts to really consider. The first goal of treating a particular immune mediated disease would be, can we stop the underlying problem? And this is where history becomes really important. Can we remove the cause? You know, there are, let's take pemphigus, for example. We know there are history, um, literature about drug-induced pemphigus, vaccine-induced pemphigus. You know, if we feel like there could, it could have been triggered by one of these, can we take it away and have that eventually pet completely off treatment? You know, think about certain things like erythema multiforme. That's a particular disease that really we think there's a trigger for, but you have to dig through the history and sometimes it's unclear what it is. But if you can figure it out, can we remove the cause? Can we eliminate an abnormal response? Can we reduce or eliminate symptoms from the disease? So maybe we don't have them fully perfect when we're treating an immune-mediated disease, but maybe we can alleviate the pruritus associated with that disease. You know, maybe we can alleviate some of the major pathology on the skin from that disease, even if they have a little bit of crusting left. Are there side effects to the medications that we're using to treat that disease, right? We know steroids often work in a lot of these cases at really high doses in some cases, but clearly the pet can get PUPD, polyphagia, liver enzyme issues, susceptibility to infections. So there's just a lot of things that happen, even if you can clear up the disease. And that's always a balance we're trying to reach when we're treating an autoimmune case. Like, yeah, I could probably give them huge doses of steroids. In most cases, it would probably do great, but it's not great for that cat to get diabetic, you know, and everything's dose dependent. I have cases on super low doses of steroids. Lab work all looks beautiful and great, and they do just fine for years. So it really depends on how sensitive they are, what dose that we can use to manage that. What are the risks of the disease itself? Is there harm if the disease is not stopped? You know, I've had cases of really mild focal disease where owners just want to use topicals. Pets live in their life otherwise, not affected by it. It's not harming them. They're doing just fine. And maybe they're okay if we don't do a lot of treatment for it. Um, Is it okay, again, if that disease is really just approved, but we don't have to 100% resolve it? I have some of my pemphigus cases like that. I have some DLE cases like that. You know, they're 80% better. That little 20% we don't have a handle on, we're okay with that. 
because ultimately trying to add more medications could ruin the relationship of that pet with her owner. Um, adding more could cause side effects. So we really have to consider that. And the other thing we really have to consider is what are the owner's expectations? I have had cases where they're not as managed as well as I would like. You know, just had this happen yesterday with a cat. I would like to see better improvement, but owners are totally happy with where they're at. The cat overall is doing fine, though I can visibly see more lesions than I appreciate. Financially, emotionally, it's not the right decision for that owner to add on more, and that's okay. Some key principles when we think about dealing with autoimmune diseases. Of course, we want to get an accurate diagnosis, and for most of these cases, some of them cytology can be quite suggestive. Um, but most of these cases, we're going to want to try our best to get histopathology. Even if we think, okay, this looks slam dunk for a Pimpheus case, there can be other changes on histopathology that can give us an indication that maybe it's perineoplastic Pimpheus. Maybe there's signs it could be drug-induced Pimpheus. So if we can, biopsy is going to be usually what we want to do to get an accurate diagnosis. As with any chronic dermatologic disease, you have to set realistic expectations for the owners. Yes, there are cases of autoimmune diseases that I have been able to eventually get off all medications, but not most of them. So when owners were starting that process, I just tell them we're going to try to find the lowest effective dose of medications. I have some cases of fill in the blank disease that respond really well. I have some that take a lot of time to figure out and some are more difficult, but usually if owners are committed and it's not like some crazy autoimmune disease like pemphigus vulgaris or something that can have a poor prognosis, a lot of these can be managed successfully, but it can get expensive. It can take a lot of mental bandwidth. So when I'm start deciding what medications I'm going to start with an owner, I want to know what is reasonable for that owner. You know, are they one that's super committed and we can see that pet all the time so that we can do lots of rechecks, do lots of cytology? Are they okay financially with lots of blood work monitoring? If I have a dog with, say, pemphigus foliaceus and I can get them on a low dose of steroids that is reasonable long term, whether I decide to do something like cyclosporin or azathioprine, all of those things can matter, right? Azathioprine can work wonderful in dog pemphigus, but... It has a lot of risk with it. We have to monitor lab work every two weeks for the first couple of months. That in itself gets expensive. That's a lot of visits for the owner to do. Is the pet cooperative enough for us to get that much lab work? All that stuff matters. Do they have comorbidities? If I have a dog that has diabetes in pemphigus, you know, it's going to be a challenge, but I'm really going to try to avoid things like steroids the best that I can. So maybe we are having to set up the expectation with the owner. This is going to take some time. You know, if we start something like cyclosporin, they're not going to look better probably in a few days. It's going to take more time, but we have to be thoughtful of other issues that that pet has. When we talk about drug therapy for managing these diseases, oftentimes, though, I will give most of these pets the benefit of the doubt of monotherapy, but oftentimes combination drug therapy tends to be more effective. So yes, I will put them on steroids to start, make them feel better quickly, and occasionally I get them to really low doses of steroids, but I do tend to see more success when I add in steroid sparing agents. So whether it is something like a cat that 
need cyclosporin. We can't fully get off the steroid, but we can get much lower doses of steroids if we add in cyclosporin or that dog that needs azathioprine. Or, you know, recently I just started a cat on chlorambucil with the steroids for its pemphigus because it's been really difficult to manage. A lot of this depends on, again, what can the owners handle? What is the pet handling? What dose of steroids can they manage on their own? Don't forget about topicals too. If they're doing fairly well in systemic therapy, that is managing their disease and we just have a focal area that's a bit more difficult. Maybe you have like a DLE case that has just a focal area that's not responding. Could we consider something like a topical steroid? You know, there's some topical steroids like mometazone, you know, from the human world that you can utilize depending on your country. I know that's country dependent. We obviously have tacrolimus that can be effective in a lot of these treatments. So, what can we utilize in those cases that maybe isn't another systemic medication that has to be added on? Could we use something topical? When you're initially getting these case diagnoses and you do collect your biopsy, please make sure the biopsy makes sense with the clinical lesion. We have talked about ways to be successful with biopsy in the past. You know, whether it is something like using a dermatopathologist go big or go home, you know, using bigger punch biopsies, if you're able to getting multiple samples and diffuse diseases, but also make sure things make sense. Does the distribution of lesions make sense for what you're seeing on your histopath report? Does the cytology findings that you saw make sense? Response to therapy. Do we need to add things like special stains or tissue cultures? Don't be afraid to reach out to the dermatopathologist if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes clinically, if what they read out doesn't make sense to what I'm seeing in the exam room, you know, we give an email, a call, clinical photos are awesome. So maybe you can look at things that are more subtle. I've had a a situation such as a case that came back with suspected like acute moist dermatitis or hot spots. I looked at this case. I'm like, that is not hot spots. Like there's so many things that are not matching up with that, you know, send in pictures, dig a bit deeper. And the pathologist picked up that it actually was some form of ischemic dermatopathy, but we want to work as a team to come to that diagnosis and really kind of, they're only seeing the sample I send in unless I send pictures ahead of time. You know, uh, if I can take my clinical evaluation and history and give them more information, we're all going to come to a better diagnosis. When you are deciding how to start these treatments, remember that not all autoimmune diseases are created equal. We have lots of variable responses. I'm going to give a much different prognosis and start treatment on a DLE case versus what I'm going to give to a case of pemphigus vulgaris, right? Because we know that has a poor prognosis. It's not as common. There is a lot of other issues that can happen based on the disease process itself. And we want to make sure we're setting up a realistic prognosis for that owner. And then make sure that when you are treating with immunosuppressive medications, you want the owner, of course, to know, hey, they're going to go on immunosuppressive medications. But some people think, oh my gosh, it's just like a negative connotation to that. No, steroids are bad. No, all these are bad. And I always take a second to make sure the owner realizes like, yes, of course, we wish we didn't have to use them. There are side effects that can come with that. But remember that that your pet's immune system is acting abnormal right now. So we're almost attempting to like normalize it or kind of return it more to a normal state because it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And I'd love to avoid these things, but you know, we have to utilize things that are going to control that or your pet's not going to get better. 
And with that, we have to make sure they understand what types of side effects can happen with medications. So if for a short period of time, you need to put them on a high dose of steroid, PUPD may be totally acceptable to get that disease in remission. It may be totally acceptable to say, hey, we're going to utilize a couple weeks of high dose steroids to get them in remission, and then we'll try to taper down. But of course, it's not going to probably be realistic for that owner to have their pet be PUPD forever. So we may accept some side effects in the short term, but it might not be realistic long term. And of course, there's side effects that, you know, don't necessarily affect the quality of life. Many of us have their dogs that are on steroids. And if their ALP is slightly elevated, we probably don't care that much. Like if everything else looks good, they're in remission, they're doing well, they're on reasonable doses, and their ALP is just slightly elevated. They're like, oh, you're on steroids, your ALP is elevated. Now that's much different than the side effect, again, of like PUP or incontinence everywhere around the house. So we have to take into consideration is the side effect of that medication actually affecting the owner and pet's quality of life? And is it something that we can either try a different medication? Could we try a different form of steroid? If they're really sensitive with prednisone, could we switch to something like methylprednisolone? Could we switch to something like dexamethasone? Those are all things that we're considering in these cases when we're making our recommendations. So overall, in a broad sense, when you're dealing with these immune mediated or autoimmune diseases, we just want to think of these things, these broad kind of thought processes, like quality of life for the pet, what's realistic for the owner to treat. You know, a lot of times they get asked, oh, if you get dog pemphigus, like, you know, if, if it's not steroids, then what's the next step? And it really does depend. It depends on how bad the lesions are. It depends on what dose of steroid we're on. It depends on other comorbidities that pet has. It depends on what has been used in the past and has or has not worked. It depends on side effects they could have. Like cyclosporin could work really wonderful in dogs with pemphigus, but if they don't tolerate it and they throw up everywhere when we give it, then clearly that's not an option. So these are all things that we have to consider, but includes involving the owner in that discussion to some degree. Of course, as the clinician, we have to make the decisions, but we want to work with them to see what is feasible, what helps us accomplish our goals together so we can be an advocate for their pet and they can also be an advocate for their pet in managing these difficult diseases. 